Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. Podcast for people who are pursuing no place left all over the world. Well, today we've got a treat. We're down in Haiti with Jacob Veer. And that's where he's pursuing no place left. I began by asking him how he got involved in this ministry. I began leading some some short-term mission trips down to Haiti after the earthquake. And it was during those years that uh, my heart just connected with some local pastors there. And uh, I remember one year I was, I was there like seven different times, you know, coming and going uh, from, from Haiti. And I remember coming back from one of the trips and, and uh, talked to my wife and I said, babe, maybe we just need to, to move there. And wouldn't we be more effective for the kingdom if we were just there full time? And, uh, and so uh, we began praying about that and uh, sought out some, some wise counsel and, um, and, and just decided, determined that that was where the Holy Spirit was leading us. And so uh, Keisha, my wife, uh, and our five children, uh, moved to Haiti, uh, almost, almost two years ago. And, uh, and so, uh, we've connected with some local pastors and trying to, we were trying to, to help them plant some churches mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's, uh, that's where we're at. Okay. Well, what's, uh, what's that two years been like? Well, um, it's a little embarrassing. When we first moved, uh, we really had, had no plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no strategy for how we were going to reach the lost. Uh, just thought we would move and we would try to help these pastors if we could. Uh, we really had no, no plan or, or strategy. Um, to give you a little bit of background, uh, about 90% of, of Haitians claim to, to be Christian, and yet half of them practice voodoo. Mm. Um, and so really it's, you know, syncretism at its finest, you know, everyone goes to church, mm. uh, but most of them worship Satan. <laughs> okay. Uh, everyone knows the name of Jesus, you know, his name is, is on every business and taxi, uh, mm. but no one knows the gospel. You know, Jesus is a, a good luck charm. Mm. So, you know, the reality is, uh, you know, the, out of the 11 million people in Haiti, uh, only about 10% of them are, are evangelical believers and, okay. So my wife and I were, were trying to, to make an impact on a few people and help a few pastors, but we really weren't sure what it was we were trying to accomplish. The, the needs uh, were so overwhelming, and the damage of centuries of, of works-based religion was so widespread that we, we kind of tried to, to block that out of our minds, and we were just going to do the little that we could do, and we were just going to have to be satisfied with that. Um, but we, we weren't satisfied. You know, we were restless. And, uh, and we grew frustrated really quickly. Um, you know, we had a, a traditional church planting strategy uh, to find a pastor fresh out of seminary, buy land, build a building, and, and start mm-hmm. inviting people to church. You know, it was a, a build it and they will come approach. Yeah. And uh, it was extremely slow. Mm-hmm. In, fact, in our first six months in the field, we spent most of our time and energy uh, trying to raise funds for these pastors, and uh, and we were unable to complete a single project just due to the the lack of funding, and uh, and so we realized pretty quickly that we were always going to be limited by our time, by our abilities, and by our wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had not committed ourselves to multiplication. We had no end vision, and really no strategy to take us there. And so, after our first six months in the field, we returned to the U.S. to to uh, reevaluate. Um, and we were completely exhausted. 
Yeah. Uh, we began to evaluate and, and realized that we really weren't sure what it was we were trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to train pastors, but I wasn't sure what I was training them to do. Yeah. You know, but we knew the father's heart was to reach all of Haiti. You know, God kept breaking us, breaking our hearts over the lostness. You know, we couldn't get that out of our minds. Nine million people far from God. You know, statistically speaking, 600 Haitians die every day and 500 of them will spend eternity in hell. And so our very best efforts, you know, were only a a drop in the bucket compared to the lostness. And I couldn't sleep at night. Uh, You know, Keish and I wept almost daily. You know, why, why have we moved to Haiti? Was our vision to, to see every Haitian have an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond or not? You know, and we realized that uh, if we reached just, just 10% of the lost in Haiti, we were going to need 18,000 new churches uh, with the average of, of 50 in each, you know, and, um, and with the average cost of traditional, you know, brick and mortar yeah. buildings, that was going to cost us about $50,000 per, per church. Uh, and so we were looking at a, about a billion dollars uh, U.S. just to reach 10%, you know. Um, and even if we had the billion dollars, would that even be good stewardship to spend it on, on brick and mortar, you know. And so we returned to Haiti after, you know, that, that season where we spent two months stateside reevaluating and uh, we returned to Haiti. And, you know, and we had come to that point of uh, – where we were discontent with the status quo. The traditional church model was not working in Haiti. It wasn't reaching lost. It wasn't multiplying. Mm. Uh, and so we were already at that point of crisis. You know, we knew something needed to change, but, but we didn't know what it was. Um, and that was when you want to give up at that point. Did you feel like let's go home? Uh, yeah, there were times where we, um, you know, we weren't sure why we were, why we were there. Yeah. So yeah. there were definitely days where we were ready to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about that time that my brother who is in Uganda, uh, had sent me some, some reading recommendations, you know, and there were books, several books on, on church planting movements. Mm-hmm. My very first exposure to even the term movements, you know, um, and I was, I was hooked immediately. You know, I started reading every book that I could get my hands on, on, on movements. And, um, about that same time, an old mentor of mine, uh, Dave Miller, uh, who's church planter out in Oklahoma, central church. He contacted me and sent me the, the four fields of kingdom growth, the, the manual. By and, Nathan and Carrie Shank. Yeah. And I, I ate that thing for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I emailed Dave back and I said, man, you got to help me. What do I do? And so he set me up with a, a FaceTime meeting uh, with him and, and Troy Cooper and, and Carter Cox, the guys down in, in South Florida. And uh, that was when I first heard the, the No Place Left vision. Uh, I'll tell you what, those guys showed me a, a lot of grace and, and patience. Uh, but they also pushed and challenged me on, on what I wasn't doing. And it was, it was pretty clear that I had no idea how to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, so in February... Uh, this year, 2016, I, I attended the, the Four Fields training in, in South Florida. And, uh, you know, we spent a week diving into God's Word and discovering Jesus' kingdom strategy. You know, we walked through the life of Jesus and the lives of the apostles, discovered these, the kingdom principles of multiplication, um, you know, Jesus and, and Paul's church planting strategy. This is uh, and last February. This this year. Year. Yeah, just mm-hmm. this year, 10 months ago. Yeah. And, uh, 
And the first thing that, that God revealed to me during that training was that I wasn't making disciples. You know, I was trying to train Haitian pastors to do something that I had never done myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the very first thing we did when we returned, when I returned to Haiti after the training, uh, was that my wife and I just focused on, on reaching our own neighbors. Um, you know, we paused the pastor's training and, and some of the other ministry activities that we had and, and just focused on, on making disciples ourselves. And uh, What did started, that look like? We started sharing the gospel a lot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, searching for where the Holy Spirit was, was already working. And we started with, with neighbors and friends that we already knew. Um, and, and, you know, sharing, just sharing the gospel, uh, a lot. How was the story of, of one of those opportunities you took to share the gospel? Who was well, it? What um, did you do? Yeah. So, um, you know, we were using simple reproducible tools, um, you know, using the, the three circles mm-hmm. and uh, even trained our, our kids in, in using those tools and, uh, and just started spending a lot of time out in the harvest. And, uh, one, uh, one guy was our, our trash guy who, who mm-hmm. comes every week to pick up our trash. And, uh, and he turned and believed in Jesus. And, um, and so we immediately trained him that, that very day. Wait a minute. Can you tell us more? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, what did you do? What did you, just paint the picture. I, I love this. You, yeah. So, guy collects your trash. How did yeah. you talk to him? So this guy, uh, his name is Ben Up. And uh, he'd been, he'd been picking up our trash for a while. You know, we just, we'd been loving on him and um, really kind of became a part of, of the family. Um, and I love the kids and, um, and it just kind of become a part of, of the family. And so he was one of the first, you know, that, that we shared with, you know, when I got back from the training, it was just, I need to share with whoever's, whoever's around me, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he became the first and uh, you know, again, a little bit embarrassing that we had already been there six months and I'd never shared the gospel with him. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he was just, he was waiting for this. So, uh, so what, what happened when you shared, you, you went through, you know, uh, the three circles and yeah. how did Venna yeah, respond? Yeah, we sat down and, um, he, uh, he was broken and, and ready. And I could tell he was, he had been ready. Um, but what's tough about, um, uh, you know, Christianity and, and, and traditions in Haiti is uh, he, he's actually turned away from, from churches uh, in the community because he's living with his girlfriend. He doesn't have the proper clothes. Uh, and so he's actually been turned away at the door uh, from, from area churches. And, uh, and so in his mind, then he can't, he can't be saved because he can't go to church. Um, you know, and that was, that was his, his, his first response when I asked him, uh, you know, where are you? Are you, are you ready to, to turn and believe in Jesus? What's keeping you from turning and believing in Jesus? And uh, uh, it was just the fact that he didn't have clothes to the right clothes to go to church. Um, and so that's, that's a reality. We get that, that answer a lot, you know, in Haiti. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we talked to him, you know, and explained to him that we wanted to, to start a, a new church in our home. We were going to uh, disciple him and uh, he can come however he wants uh, and, um, and so we immediately trained him. So he, he turned and believed in Jesus and we immediately trained him, uh, to go share the gospel with, with his, his own oikos, you know, his relational network. Um, with, uh, did, did he do that? Uh, he did. Um, you know, some of the, the traditional thinking, you know, slipped in pretty quickly. Um, he, he had shared with his girlfriend, but immediately, you know, brought her to us to, to, for us to, to share, you know, to, yeah. 
Um, but, uh, so that was, that was a process of, of us trying to, to, to push him forward. Um, so, you know, it actually took us kind of walking with him to his neighbors and, uh, and showing him how to share the gospel and then and allowing went him with him into his neighborhood Yeah, and met his neighbors and, and modeled and equipped him to share exactly. the gospel in, in his neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Using wow. that, that mall process, you know, yeah. model assist, watch and, and launch, you know, and say, so, yeah. So we, we, you know, walked with him to his neighbors, met his neighbors, uh, shared with them and, and several of them uh, within the first uh, few times when it went out, several of them turned and believed. Um, and, uh, and so we actually started a, a new church uh, right there in, in his community. Um, uh, well, the original plan is they'd meet at your place, but now they're, they're meeting in his, his community. Right. Yeah. Uh, so he's still, he's still coming to the church that's meeting in yeah. our home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now he is, is leading a, a new group uh, with him, uh, with his girlfriend and, and their neighbors. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Uh, and he's the guy who collects the trash. Yeah. And what was, what was neat is, you know, in one afternoon, because of the, the nature of, of Haitian culture, a little more slower. And so we can accomplish a lot in one afternoon. Yeah. And so we, we trained him uh, in, in how to share the gospel you know, using four questions. Uh, why make disciples? Mm-hmm. Uh, what should I say? Who should I tell? When should I start? Uh, using a, a simple reproducible mm-hmm. tool. And, um, we trained him in, in that one afternoon. In that same afternoon, we, we baptized him. You know, one of the things that we push for all new believers is, is immediate baptism, um, you know, to solidify, uh, you know, the, um, a, a pattern, pattern of obedience, you know. Um, and, uh, and so we actually received some, some backlash from a few area pastors um, uh, because, uh, you know, for – for several reasons. One of them, because they knew that he had been living with his girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they said, you can't, you can't baptize him. He's living with his girlfriend. He doesn't yet know enough, uh, how to, how to be a Christian. And, um, and, you know, in Haiti pastors withhold baptism from those who confess Jesus for at least six months, mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, two years or even longer. And they, they make them take a written test to, to okay. see how much they know. Um, and, uh, you know, they want them to clean up their lives and, and be virtually perfect before being baptized. And the same goes for the, the Lord's Supper, too. Um, uh, nevertheless, we, we baptize Benna, you know, setting that, that pattern of obedience. You know, we see in the New Testament that followers of Jesus, you know, baptism was the first step in a, a lifelong process of, of obedience. You know, um, Romans 6 equates baptism with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so in that sense, baptism is a an initiation for those who stand together in, in testimony of, of the risen Savior. And so we're trying to build that into the DNA of, of unquestioned obedience to Jesus. So in one afternoon, we trained him how to share the gospel. We baptized him in a, in a neighbor's pool, swimming pool. Um, and, uh, and then uh, through that, that time, as we started walking with him and discipling him and um, helping him share the gospel with his neighbors, his, his girlfriend, uh, turned and believed in Jesus. And so we baptized her um, and continued meeting with them, gathering around the, the commands of Christ that we see in, in Acts chapter 2, the, the first church obeying these, these things that Jesus commanded us to do. So using Acts 2 as, as the model. And, um, and so after a, a few months of this walk, uh, Benna uh, came, came up to us and he said, um, you know what, I, I don't think it's a good idea for me to be living with my girlfriend. 
um, can I move in with you guys until we get married? And, uh, <laughs> and so, and so he did, he moved in with us for a while. Um, You're making this story up, aren't you? <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, Steve, it's, it's messy, you know, discipleship yeah, yeah, is sure. hard. I remember one day Benna and his girlfriend got in a big fight yeah. and came over to, to our house with a, a knife sticking right. out of his arm. Uh, you know, clearly we had some, some issues. When you say the knife was sticking, you mean it was embedded in his arm? Embedded into his arm. And he came over, didn't want to take it out. He wanted to show us what had happened. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a mess. So, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was awful at the time. We can laugh now. Yeah, we're laughing now. But this is the messiness of discipleship with people who are far from God. Yeah. Sometimes it can be literally messy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, we're still walking with him. His girlfriend are taking steps of obedience in the midst of that mess. You see God at work. That's right. Yeah, taking little steps of obedience uh, to Jesus' commands. And it's not easy, um, but uh, we're seeing God do some amazing things in their community. So, you know, as a result, a new church has started right there in uh, in their neighborhood. And uh, and so this began to happen kind of all over our community. Um, we started seeing more guys like Benna. And so actually what happened, and we didn't intend for this to happen, but uh, now there's, there's 12 uh, young men living with my wife and I, our family, in our home. Uh, most of them are, are new believers, uh, <laughs> okay. just kind of taken under our wing and are discipling. And, and what's neat is they've, they've kind of become uh, an essential part of our local team. Um, you know, and uh, you know, Mark 3.14 has become kind of a mantra for us that, you know, Jesus said, I, I want my disciples to be with me so I can send them out. Uh, and so we use that, that two church principle. I want my disciples to, to be with, gather with me in, in church for discipleship and training. And I'm, I'm sending them out to, to go start churches with those that, that they're leading to Jesus. Um, you know, and that's, that's something we have to, to kind of fight for, you know, literally every week. You know, it's a, a radical paradigm shift. Um, you know, the tendency for many was to say, okay, Jacob, I'll go share the gospel, but then I'm going to bring them to you for discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so having to push them forward and say, no, you know, I'm going to train you and, and invest into you and, and push you forward. But, but Jesus wants you to go, go do the same thing. And, uh, and so that's something we have to fight for every week. Um, but we're seeing. Jacob, I, I, I just had a phone call from one of our listeners. Uh, and I, they, they're willing to offer you a deal. Um, they'll give you a billion dollars for all the church buildings and the paid pastors. You just have to stop this messy stuff with the rubbish collector, the trash collectors and the 12 guys in your house, because that's just messy. So you're willing to take the deal. They've got a billion dollars for you. What are you going to say? Not a chance. Uh, <laughs> not from what, what I've learned. Uh, you know, the, these, these kingdom principles are, are biblical principles. You know, Jesus's strategy in forming churches around oikos, you know, around where community already exists. And, and so we're, we're just trying to implement uh, Jesus's kingdom strategy. And, uh, and so we've, we've, learned, we've learned so much. So the the 12 guys that you, you, obviously they've come to know Christ. Uh, They're doing church with you in the home and they're also going out into their community and other communities uh, to make disciples and start new churches. Is that, that what it looks like? Yeah, that's right. Um, And, you know, so we're pursuing that in in our own community, 
sending these guys out and we're seeing it begin to, to multiply uh, disciples and, and a few churches in our, in our own community. Um, and, uh, and our, our kids are, are part of that too. You know, uh, they're following Jesus. We've trained them in these same tools. And, uh, and so they're going out into a harvest with us every week, uh, helping us train others to do the same thing. And, uh, and so it's really cool just to, to, you know, to be a family on mission as we pursue. What, um, what's the age range of your, your children? Our oldest is eight. Uh, and then we have a, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, uh, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Okay. And, uh, and then my wife is expecting our, our sixth. Okay. Uh, that's why we're, we're stateside right now. Right. So, um, well, uh, according to Troy Cooper, you're just getting started. That's right. I'm trying to catch up with him. <laughs> got work to do. So uh, as a family, this is, this is a part of your life. And, and even as young children, they're with you. They're participating. Obviously, they're seeing these young men uh, who are living with you uh, grow as disciples. They're seeing the mess. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, and, and this has all happened in uh, 10 months. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and a, lot, a lot more has happened, actually. So, you know, as we're pursuing this you know, movement locally and pursuing multiple generations of, of disciples and churches, our kids are a part of that. These 12 guys are a part of this, this local team. Um, you know, I, I tell you, Steve, for the first time in my life, I, I know what to do on Monday morning. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit has given us such clarity and focus, and, and I'm really grateful for that. But then I, so I've also got this group of, of Haitian pastors that I had already built, previously built relationships with. And, um, you know, and, and so we began meeting with, with them every Saturday. Uh, and now instead of trying to train them and doing something that I had never done before, now I was able to show them what, what God was doing in our community uh, and how he could use them to, to start, start something similar in, in their communities and their ministries. And uh, so there were about a dozen pastors uh, attending every week. And, you know, I spent weeks training them in the four fields of kingdom growth, you know, using the discipleship process, T for T, training for trainers, using the, the three-thirds process, trying to communicate to them that these biblical principles of, of movements. Um, but there was one problem. Uh, we couldn't seem to agree on anything. <laughs> Every time we gathered, you know, we always ended up in dispute over baptism or Lord's Supper, ordained clergy. Should we register house churches with the government, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, and so several weeks went by and uh, it was the same every week, more arguing. And I remember asking the Lord one morning, you know, God, why am I doing this? Am I wasting my time? Uh, you know, and I was ready to give up on these guys, you know, and just move on with, with this local team that we had been building. And, um, but then after the training that day, one of the, the pastors pulled me aside privately. Uh, his name is Joshua. And, uh, and he was always really quiet during the, the meetings. And, um, uh, you know, he was a, a pastor of a traditional church that he had started a, about eight years ago. They were running about 50 people in attendance and not really doing much. But because of his quiet and timid spirit, I just assumed he wasn't grasping anything that we were talking about, you know. Um, but he, to my surprise, he said, Jacob, uh, would you help me with next steps with these 13 churches, new churches that are in, in my network? I said, you're what? What are you, what are you talking about? How did, how did this happen? And he said, well, I was just, we just started doing what you were training us to do. 
And uh, I said, sit down. You got to tell me everything. I want to learn from, from what God's doing. And uh, so he had trained his, his church on how to have gospel conversations and started taking teams out every week into the harvest, searching for a house of peace. You know, that church planting strategy that we see Jesus give his disciples in Luke 10 and carried throughout the book of Acts. And, uh, and so they went out and their first week, they found 13 houses of peace where an entire households were turning and believing in Jesus. And so they started 13 new churches in these homes. Uh, Joshua had, had taken these 13 men from those homes and began meeting with them every Monday for training and then sending them back to, to lead these new churches. And, uh, and as Joshua was telling me the story, he said several of them have, have already uh, reproduced into uh, more, more churches. And so I was, I was floored, you know, and extremely humbled. You know, here's this guy. I had made some, some really, you know, mm. bad assumptions mm. um, from what he, you know, what he wasn't getting. But uh, so from that day forward, I started spending a lot more time with Joshua. Um, and then I started having him cast vision for no place left to these other pastors, mm -hmm. you know, asking the question, what's it going to take for us to reach every Haitian with the gospel? And I was pushing him forward to train the other pastors and, and to show them, you know, what God was doing in, uh, in his ministry as he was implementing these, these principles. And, um, uh, and so then we just said, all right, guys, enough's enough, enough of the arguing. Um, when we just asked them to, to commit to the vision and the strategy. And uh, so six of them agreed and, and chose to sit, chose to stay. So, and then plus Joshua and I, so there were eight of us. Mm. So this is in, in late March, you know, so we're just about two months outside of, of when I had attended that original training. And the eight of us uh, just committed ourselves to the Lord and, and committed ourselves to each other and, uh, and began applying these, these kingdom principles. And we targeted 10 of, of Haiti's largest cities and set a goal to see multiple church planting movements in each of those key cities. And, uh, and we determined that if each wait church... A minute, wait a minute. You've got a bunch of local pastors here. I'm thinking yeah. we're going to reach our community. Right. And all of a sudden, this has become cities across Haiti. How yeah. did you get to that? <laughs> the, honestly, the, the end vision. You know, these guys are thinking about their local communities, but already thinking about contacts they have in, in these other Every cities. Time. And are thinking, wow, we can, we can take this training to them and we can see see this happen in, in these other cities as well. And so for them, it was, it was the end vision. It became driven by it. Uh, you know, and suddenly, they're like your people of peace. They, they already have pre-existing relationships and networks yeah. in those places. So it's not like, well, we've, we're, we're here and we've got to make it happen over there. We, they've become like a person of peace, a catalyst. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And so they're seeing the, the end goal, you know, a tangible goal. Uh, you know, the father's heart from Genesis to revelation is to, to fill the earth with his glory and reconciling people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And, and he was going to use everyday regular people to accomplish this. And so, uh, we knew exactly what we needed to do, you know, to enter empty fields, share the gospel with anyone who will hear, train them to obey Jesus, form them into communities and, uh, you know, and then raise up leaders from within those, those communities to, to go do the same thing. And so we can continue to meet every week with these pastors and uh, continue to labor in our respective communities. Uh, they began reaching out to, to other networks, uh, other existing pastors, and, um, and, and God was saving 
people and momentum began to build. And, uh, and so we went from these eight existing churches to, to 80 in just three months, okay. um, 80 new churches. Uh, and a handful of them were third and, and fourth generation churches. Uh, they're meeting in homes, restaurants, police stations, under trees, wherever. Um, and uh, it's just, uh, it's been incredible to see uh, what God does when we, when we give away the kingdom and stop trying to, to build our own kingdom, you know. Wait, wait a minute, Jacob. We've, we've had another call. There's another caller. They're willing to up the offer to $2 billion. <laughs> Will you take the money? <laughs> what do I do? No deal. No deal. Yeah. Wow. You must pinch yourself every yes. now and again. And, uh, I mean, you know, this is a wonderful work of God. I mean, that he's prepared you and those others for it's, it's just, uh, I just take a moment. I'm, I'm moved by what God's doing after all that Haiti has suffered. Yeah. Yeah. And he's answering our prayers, you know, our Luke 10 to prayer that the Lord would send more laborers into the harvest. You know, we've been, we've been asking for, for more people to train. I remember one day, um, uh, I think it was in, in April, I had a knock on the gate and I opened uh, the gate of our, our house and uh, there were three guys standing there and they said, we don't know why we're here. Uh, we just know we're supposed to talk to you. <laughs> and uh, they said, the Holy Spirit told us to, to come talk to you. And I said, I know exactly why you're here. How much time do you have? And uh, these guys were, were from a city uh, on the North Coast uh, one of the cities that we had targeted, but didn't have any contacts there yet. And, uh, and so they had come uh, to, to talk to me. And so we, we trained them, um, sent them out. We, we had planned since they were out from out of town, we planned a, a four day intensive, uh, trained them. And uh, we went out and practiced the house of peace search in my neighborhood. I took them out to the countryside where Joshua uh, uh, you know, was seeing movement and took them out there to, to see that and ask questions. And then we sent these guys uh, back up to their city in the north uh, to go put it into practice and, uh, and are seeing God do some amazing things in, uh, in their ministry up there. Uh, a similar, similar thing happened uh, this past June. We had a short-term mission team here from the U.S. visiting, and um, one of the things I started doing with short-term teams was having them just help us do House of Peace search. You know, we could canvas a whole community in no time with, you know, with a team, and uh, and so we were up in a community up in the mountains where we knew there was no existing church. And, uh, and as we were walking, we, we found a man named Gabby. Uh, he was a follower of Jesus uh, and a, a principal of the local school. And he said that he and his wife had been praying that someone would come and, and start a church in their community because there, there was none. And uh, I said, Gabby, God wants to use you to reach your community and, and start a church. And his face, you know, lit up. The next day, uh, at 8 o'clock at night, he showed up at my house. I still have no idea how he found out where I lived. Um, and he said, we're here for training. And, uh, and so over the next few weeks, um, I trained Gabby and his wife and, uh, and spent a lot of time with him. Um, and, uh, and then they began reaching their neighbors with the gospel and formed a church in their home and then started three other churches in their community um, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to him and told him to, to focus more of his time on multiplying disciples and churches. And so Gabby sold some land that he owned, turned over the leadership of these three schools that he was running, turned over leadership to others, 
and, uh, and just started planting churches and training leaders full time. Um, and so currently he's laboring across three cities. This is a guy that we just randomly found on a house of peace search, you know? And so the Lord's answering our, our Luke 10, two prayers and we're finding laborers in, in the harvest. How, how has this changed you, Jacob? Oh, um, it's changed everything. Um, I mean, uh, as I said before, I know what to do on Monday morning. I've got, uh, the Lord's just given us clarity and focus and, uh, and, and, and purpose. Uh, I've learned more this year than I have in, in, in my entire life of, of walking with Jesus. Uh, learning from, from the difficulties, I think, I think what's changed me the most is I'm, I'm learning on the go, uh, learning just through obedience and uh, learning uh, what it means to abide in Christ. Uh, learning um, how to to read what Jesus says, obey it, and then trust that I'm going to learn and understand uh, as the Holy Spirit works through through that obedience. And um, you know, we're facing a lot of a lot of difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 60% of, of Haitians are illiterate, and so you know, we're depending heavily on oral methods uh, for training. Um, you know, cultural traditions are often hindering us from, from reproducing. There's a lot of legalism and superstitions. Um, and those are our most common problems. You know, my team and I have experienced some persecution from the established church mm-hmm. uh, and its leadership because we're breaking from traditions that we had examined and determined were not biblical. Um, you know, many existing pastors in Haiti uh, are motivated by power and influence. Uh, and so they you know, feel that that's threatened by our, our church planting strategy. Um, you know, but we're just, we're doing our best to, to track the, the generational growth by updating our map every week. Well, it's funny, it's getting more and more difficult to, to map the, the growth as our generational growth is expanding geographically into harder and harder to reach places. Uh, for example, uh, Joshua was out in the harvest with a, a few weeks ago with a team and uh, they went up into the mountains where he had never been before. Uh, and as they were sharing the gospel house to house, they came across a uh, a home where a church was gathering and the church welcomed Joshua and his team in. And after a while, them talking, uh, they learned that this was a church, uh, a fourth generation church plant of his church that he knew nothing about. Uh, and so the gospel spreading faster than, than we can even, than we can even keep up. <laughs> um, you know, so we're doing our best to, to map the advancement of God's kingdom. And, and we can see right now seven distinct streams of, of reproducing churches uh, to the fourth generation as, as the norm. And across those seven streams, then we have represented um, 200 churches that have all been formed within the last 10 months as we began pursuing movement uh, just this past February. Um, and that represents more than, than 2,000 new believers uh, all, most of them have been baptized and trained to, to make disciples and, and form new churches. Uh, here's the really cool part, Steve. Um, so my, in September, my wife and I came back to the U.S. to get ready for the arrival of our sixth child. And uh, 50 of those 200 churches uh, were planted while we'd been stateside. Uh, so it serves as a great reminder for me that this movement's not happening because of me, yeah. you know, uh, the Holy Spirit's using ordinary, regular people to spread the gospel broadly. He's using locals to lead the movement. 
uh, they're proving to be more effective than, than us. You know, at the end of the day, God's going to use Haitians to reach Haiti. Uh, you know, and I don't think I can make that point clear enough that the places where we've seen explosive growth has been unanimously led by local leaders. Uh, you know, my, my Haitian Creole is, is pretty rough. Uh, but even if I was fluent, it's still not my heart language. Uh, these leaders, they know their language, they know their people, they know their culture, and really are, are best equipped for the task. And uh, they're going to be more effective. And that's great news for, for my wife and I, because now we have an exit strategy. Uh, you know, we didn't when we moved to Haiti. An exit strategy. What's, what's that? Yeah, now we do. Well, you know, I, I feel like the, the role of the missionary is about the outsider to insider transition, right? You know, so our plan is to raise up these local leaders to the point where they don't need us anymore and, and we, can, we can exit and, and enter other empty fields. Of course. Well, that's all we have time for today. If this has been helpful, and I'm sure it has, why don't you hop on social media and spread the word. Uh, it really helps. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.